today on 2C Vans. I remember when those came in and I was I was really concerned when I when I saw them coming in. I was like, wow, okay. We really need to take care of these because they're counting on us. Uh, I'll bet a lot of pressure was on you guys to, to to make sure that everything was set up and ready to go. Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit of <clears throat> pressure on us just because a lot of these corals, no one's ever maintained and captured. Really? <clears throat> We're applying, you know, husbandry skills that have been learned over the years on different species and trying to apply these to new species. So there's been a lot of col collaboration with other institutions. For, on weekly phone calls with other institutions across the country trying to share what everyone's experiencing, what's going on, troubleshooting different problems. Hello and welcome to 2C Fans at Moat Marine Laboratory, your podcast for marine science, conservation, and education from Moat in Sarasota, Florida. I'm Haley Rutger. And I am Joe Nicholson. And I'm looking at Joe through a screen, but he looks like the same old Joe. I am the same old Joe. You are? Joe never changes. No? Okay, well, that's good. We need constants in this time of uh, change. <laughs> we are recording with a wonderful guest right here, and we're doing this remotely, of course, because it's April 7th, 2020, and the precautions for COVID-19 are important right now, so um, we're... Joe and I get to work from home, and our guest today is one of the essential people who takes care of animals at Moat Aquarium, so he's uh, he's at the aquarium today. Can you say your name and title, please? Yeah, my name's Adam Dahlman. I'm the curator of fish and invertebrates here at the aquarium. That's a, that's a, that's a big job. Yeah, it's a, it's a lengthy title there. Um, essentially, what it means is I oversee everybody that takes care of the fish and our invertebrates, so that includes crabs, Shrimp, jellyfish, stingrays, sharks, you know. So I got to know, Adam, have you ever had the ick? The ick? I yeah. personally have never had the ick. Oh, ick okay. is actually a freshwater fish disease, so we don't see that too much in our aquarium. We don't have a lot of freshwater fish. Joe, why are you asking Adam if he's had it? Because I've heard that, you know, you can get the ick. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know about that, but the fish version of ick, no, people cannot get it. <laughs> people can't get ick? No. No, uh, well, that's It's so, a great so, start. <laughs> one less thing to worry about, no ick. <laughs> That's, that's good. I could use fewer worries. So, Adam, take us back to how you ended up working at Moat. How long ago? How far you... back do you want to go? It's, it's to the, far... very beginning. the very beginning of Moat? As far back as you dare. Okay. Okay. Well, I grew up uh, in Washington State, up on the Puget Sound, so I always had an interest in the oceans, grew up around the ocean, sailed a lot up there. Um, after I graduated high school, went to school out in Hawaii. I studied at the University of Hawaii, got my marine science degree out there, um, realized I wanted to go into the animal husbandry aspect of marine science. So I got a job right out of school working at Bass Pro Shops, actually, maintaining their exhibits. And then worked at the downtown aquarium in Denver for a few years before I made my way back out to Moat. Wasn't a big fan of the cold weather in Denver. Wanted to get back to the sun and beaches. So Moat seemed like a great place to start there. So I started at Moat in 2008, in August, um, doing off-site exhibit maintenance mainly. Um, did that for about eight years almost 
and then worked my way up and got promoted eventually to curator. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's quite a journey from like the exact opposite corner of the country. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So over that time, um, have you had a sort of favorite animal or favorite um, exhibit uh, that you've worked on? Um, kind of my favorite is working with live corals. Um, Moats yeah. really grown their live coral collection in the aquarium since I started. Um, it's just such a unique, wide variety of coral species and colors, and they're one of the more challenging animals to take care of. Why is that? <laughs> um, they just require very precise water quality parameters. They don't like a lot of fluctuation in their temperature, salinity, or light. So you got to monitor all these different aspects of their health. What's the largest uh, coral exhibit we have at Moat? Um, the one we have right now is a thousand gallons. So it's the one you see right when you walk into the main gallery. That wow. highlights our Florida reef. So the work we're doing down in Summerlin Key and throughout the Florida Keys, that's kind of the purpose of that exhibit. Yeah. Well, and we have, it's, oh, I'm sorry, Haley. We have exhibits on corals down in the Keys as well. Did you have anything <laughs> to do with those? Um, yeah, I actually oversee the staff down there. We have two part-time staff down in Key West maintaining those exhibits. And we also have another exhibit in the Keys in Alamorada where we have more coral on display. So Very trying cool. to spread Moat's message down there. Totally. And we're going to get into coral a little bit uh, in just a few minutes here. <laughs> I want to, before we do, I wanted to say, you know, obviously you're one of the, the few people who goes into a job right now. Um, what kind of things just like cannot wait that require you to be there that are, you know, essential? Like what kind of animal care duties are you and the team that you're managing? Like what kind of things can't wait? Some of the more obvious ones and then some of the not so obvious duties. Yeah, so I think we're pretty fortunate that our job's essential. We're taking care of live animals. So obviously that entails feeding them on a regular basis. Most of our fish that we have and sharks and rays need to be fed at least every day. Um, that's the obvious one. Other things that we people don't realize is making sure that their water quality parameters are appropriate. We need to change their filters. They do get dirty over time. We'll have to change their water out. Um, other things that we have on the schedule such as medical exams and stuff like that we're trying to continue on with. So we've had to make a lot of adjustments, but we're, we're working through it. We've got our department divided up into two separate teams right now, so we're not overlapping, trying to keep our distance from each other. A lot of sanitizing, a lot of hand washing going on right now. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> so um, tell us about, so we're going to go back into the corals. We have a, a pretty special uh, collection of corals right now that were rescued. Uh, what were those corals rescued from, and how did they come to be here at Moat? Yeah, um, we received these rescue corals back in March of 2019. Um, we got about, I think we, originally we had a little over 100 individual colonies that were rescued. Um, we now cut back down to in the mid-70s for individuals that we're still maintaining. Um, but they were pulled right out down in the Florida Keys off of the reefs. Um, they were collected outside of the basically the infection zone. It's called stony coral tissue loss disease. Um, it's a very rapid moving disease that's wiping out a lot of the coral species in the Keys. 
Um, in areas that have been infected, they're seeing mortality rates as high as 90 to 100% of these corals being lost. Um, what makes these corals special is they're the reef building corals. So they're the ones that actually lay down the foundation for other corals to grow on and build the reef up, so. Yeah, we were, um, our, one of our scientists, Dr. Erin Muller, had just published this big paper with her partners uh, at FIT and uh, FWC about just how serious this stuff is. They did like a huge epidemiological study and they were seeing huge clusters of this disease and noticing that it was kind of sometimes worse on um, diverse, or diverse species reefs and deep reefs. And so it's a real big threat um, to corals throughout the Florida reef tract and even some Caribbean areas. So it's, uh, it's pretty great that we get to we got to take in a few of those corals ahead of the, uh, yeah. the outbreak. Ahead of the disease, yeah. I remember when those came in, and I was, I was really concerned when I, when I saw them coming in. I was like, wow, okay, we really need to take care of these because they're counting on us. Uh, I'll bet a lot of pressure was on you guys to, to, to make sure that everything was set up and ready to go. Yeah, yeah there was a little bit of <clears throat> pressure on us just to – because a lot of these corals, no one's ever maintained in captivity before. Really? So we're applying, you know, husbandry skills that have been learned over the years on different species and trying to apply these to new species. So there's been a lot of col collaboration with other institutions. We're on weekly phone calls with other institutions across the country trying to share what everyone's experiencing, what's going on, troubleshooting different problems. So yeah. Yeah. Big. Have you had some scary moments? Um, we're, we're doing pretty well, actually. All things considered, other institutions have had a little more issues. We've identified a couple species that are more finicky than the others. So we're working through those problems. But all in all, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, that, that project, and if I can cut in, Joe, that project um, that we're working with is the a Association of Zoos and Aquariums leading the Florida Reef Tract Rescue Project. So we are grateful to be part of the uh, AZA community that's working on this because that's a kind of like knowledge sharing community. And I, I have calls with the communications people from there and everybody's talking about, you know, their corals and the importance of this project. So we're really proud to be involved. Well, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos. <laughs> so, Ada, so, tell us about coral care. Like, if, if I know nothing about taking care of corals, which I kind of don't really, um, what's the 101 of taking care of corals? What do I need to do just to keep them alive? <laughs> you got to tuck them in the bed at night. You got to put the polyps. And you have to gently, gently rub their backs. You have to read them a story? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, well, I guess the first thing people don't realize is corals are animals. They're not plants or rocks that a lot of people think. Um, so first, when you're setting up a coral tank, you want to have pristine water quality. So we monitor the nitrogen cycle. That's a kind of a fancy word for ammonia is waste that animals produce in the water. That gets broken down through the natural process. So we want everything to be near zero, basically. We don't want any phosphates to grow algae. We don't want any ammonia. Um, and then the lighting is the next most critical thing. Because these corals photosynthesize with the algae that grows inside their tissues, they rely on that photosynthesis for food. 
Um, so you have to have the appropriate type of lighting and that depends on different species. Some species are deeper and shallower than others. Some like more flow, so you generally have a higher flow in the water through the system. And then there's feeding. Um, we actually do feed our corals a couple times a week. We'll target feed them. They'll extend their polyps out. You can see their mouths. They, you said you target, target feed them? We do target feed them, so we use a turkey baster. So. We actually <laughs> spray the water directly over each individual colony to make sure that they're getting the appropriate amount of food. Gotcha. What kind of that? Sorry, Joe, what did you say? What kind of food is that? Um, it's mostly plankton and algae. So we'll order it. It comes in frozen. We store it in our freezer. We thaw it out when we're ready to feed it out. So you have to you have to actually order a special plankton and algae. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then hand feed them. That's crazy. Hey, they're your little babies. <laughs> so yeah, that that actually the turkey baster reminded me of. I was uh, the last time I was at the aquarium. I was watching your uh, colleague Andrew um, feeding feeding our jellies with a turkey baster full of uh, little tiny tiny shrimp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Andrew does a lot of the work on these corals. He's the main person that sees them day to day. Cool. And so how many different, uh, in addition to these, these rescue corals, which good job with them, uh, how many other species do you get to be involved with on a day to day basis? Um, so we have a, a collection of local corals that includes some of these rescue species that we have. Um, we also have a bunch of Pacific corals as well in a couple of our other exhibits. So Pacific corals have been in the husbandry industry for quite a while. They've adapted well and most of these colonies are frags from other colonies that have been in captivity for years. Um, Is that because they're brighter and, and more colorful, the Pacific variety? They are, yeah, and they're actually tend to be easier to care for as well because they've been in captivity for so long. They haven't been collected from the wild over these years they've just been fragged off of other colonies so they're not they're not having to acclimate yeah exactly okay interesting wow so as far as the atlantic corals that are more uh what you would find on our florida reef tract are so a lot of those are just less have less of a history of cultivation for aquarium yeah trade. and i think that goes back to i mean for one our our coral species that we have are more regulated by the FWC than Pacific corals. Oh, and yeah. they just don't have that appeal to the hobbyists, which really drives the, the industry because they don't have that bright coloration that you see in Pacific corals. Yeah. Unless you put them under uh, the right light and then you see- Yeah, these... if you get some blue black light over them, you'll see the phosphorescence. Yeah, then they look really cool. You see all these, It's is it fluorescent or phosphorescent pigments or something? Yeah, phosphorescent. <laughs> Phosphorescent. I would ask you to explain the difference, but <laughs> yeah, it's a little complicated. It is a little... We'll save that for another episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask Andrew. <laughs> so, um, so in, in addition to corals, how many other different kinds of species do you do? You mostly do your hands-on stuff with corals, or do you interact with other species in a direct way too? Um, in my current position right now, I don't get a lot of hands-on work with these animals anymore. I'm kind of overseeing the scheduling, staffing, assisting when needed. Yeah. Um, so you, I, you, de you deal with the humans. Yes, is what I do. <laughs> I do deal more with humans now, yes. Oh. <laughs> well, with the 
with this COVID-19 thing going on, are you doing a lot more hands-on stuff to uh, like help out with the crews? With this yeah, different... because of our split schedule now and dividing up staff, I am doing more hands-on work just to help Why did get you... the work done. Why did you guys have to split um, the, split the crew into two teams? Um, so the, the idea behind that is having two separate teams that don't overlap with each other or interact. Someone on one team, say Team A, gets sick, they get COVID-19. Well, now essentially everybody on that team has the potential of being exposed. So we would want to isolate that Team A at home for that 14-day period. Yeah, that's, we'll take, that's smart. Then we'll have Team B that's still available to use. And then Team B is going to be really busy. <laughs> then Team B will be very busy, exactly. Yeah, that's we'll break right. that into two separate teams and so forth. Oh, what, okay. Hopefully we don't go down that road, but at least we're prepared. Yeah, that's What team right. are you on? I'm on Team A, so. Oh, you're the A team. The A team, not B, yes. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not implying that Team A is better than Team B, okay? No. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, I and I did. I have to say, uh, as far as pitching in and doing the hands-on stuff too, I did notice you unloading a bunch of boxes of, of fish with your colleagues the other day. Yes. <laughs> a bunch of boxes of frozen food for yes. for sharks. <laughs> I think it was like I don't well, know. Fifteen hundred like, pounds. Yeah, 1,500 pounds of frozen food for the animals. So, so that'll last us about two weeks. start using staff. What, Joe? That, and, and then you start using staff? No, for food, <laughs> yes. Okay. Of course. Don't tell them that, though. They don't need to know. Okay. <laughs> no way. No way. We like our staff. I don't think most of them need to be fed to the animals. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> That went real dark real fast, right? No, yeah. no. The uh, as an AZA accredited institution, we don't feed our people to animals. We're very and really does love all of you. I do love all of you. <laughs> so uh, we we told you we might ask you. Do you have any funny stories or really interesting stories from your time here right now, or from any time in your history here at Moat? Um. Well, the one that came to mind when you guys asked, um, this happened when I was working at another aquarium, but there was a coral holding system in the back that had this clownfish that was known to be very aggressive and territorial. So we had to have our hands in this tank quite a bit to clean and frag corals. But one day I wasn't quite paying close enough attention to where the clownfish was, and it latched on and bit my finger. <laughs> So my knee, my knee-jerk reaction is to pull my hand out of the water. Oh well, that's no! What I, that's what I did. So the fish did not let go of my finger, so the fish went flying across the highway, <laughs> landed on the ground. <laughs> so you were fighting. So clownfish goes flying across the hallway, lands on the ground. Oh my god! But he, I was able to net him up, put him back in, and he's still doing fine to this day, from what I hear. So and that's where. Came up with their idea of finding. Uh, exactly. That's that's right. That's right. No, no credit taken. Uh, Do you have any? Uh, are are the clownfish? Because I know we have some clownfish. Are the clownfish living at moat uh, more tolerant of, of human hands? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. <clears throat> hey Adam, I was always curious. Uh, what's the biggest build you've been involved with at moat? 
As far as exhibitry goes? Yeah. Um, probably the largest tank we, I was in charge of installing that thousand gallon live reef tank we have. So the, the new that one. project. Yeah, the newer one that we opened up in I think twenty sixteen. Yeah, that one's pretty cool, man. And then we've done some like Almorada down in the Keys. Those were I think the largest system down there is twelve hundred gallons. Cool. Isla Murata, are you talking about the Florida Keys History Discovery Center? Yeah. So we oh. have that small exhibit inside the museum. It's not small, man. When I was down there for the opening, I was impressed with how many tanks and uh and displays we had. Yeah, it's been a real hit. People There's a real big one. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first got to Moat, I remember seeing you working at our airport um, airport exhibit in SRQ Airport. Yes. <laughs> uh, You've never fallen into that one, have you? I have not. It came close once, but if I go all the way in. <laughs> that one seems like some of these some of these specialty exhibits seem like they are very hard to clean. Yes, well, our site ones are a little challenging, but <laughs> we manage. Yeah, I remember our past uh, curator Kevin Curley um, falling into that tank and uh, forever being known as the Curly Fish. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that happening. Yeah, people people <laughs> flying in from New York are like, "Oh, look at that one! <laughs> it's the Curly Fish. <laughs> it's big." <laughs> yeah. I I do remember. Um, in that exhibit too, somebody being really excited about the puffer we had there and he, he gave him a name and, you know, oh, yeah, he asked us all podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he talked all about them. Yeah. Those little puffers. Was that a uh, porcupine? Puffer? That was, um, what was that species? Yeah, that was a porcupine. A bird. Uh, a bird. Is there a not, bird? Not, not, there's a bird fish, but that's not the species that was out there. I mean, like bird, like, like burrs, you know? Yeah, like, burrs. Yeah, yeah, it's. I don't think it was Joe. I, th I think you're thinking of the striped birdfish. Oh, that's it. Yes, yeah. the we, have the, we have those yeah. in the aquarium here. Do when you do these coral exhibits and stuff, do you have to include certain um, certain other species of either fish or invertebrates or anything for the the health of the corals, or do you kind of take care of the corals' needs and other animals don't necessarily have to be with them? Do you, um. We have to be careful on what fish and inverts we put in with corals because some of them actually prey on corals. They'll right. Eat them. So yeah, you have to be very careful on what you add and don't add. If and you put no, like a, <laughs> no parrot fish, no. Right. You put a parrot fish in there, he's <laughs> gonna eat chew it. Chew it all up. That's right. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about your coral stuff. Is there anything else about what's going on at the aquarium right now or with your corals that we forgot to ask you about? Um, I mean we're we're trying to just keep things as normal as possible for our staff going through our daily routines. Um, we are still doing our target shark training sessions, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I think we're going to be broadcasting those Mondays and Wednesdays online. Yeah. And check out our new shark exhibit camera that we have. That's right. It's online now. So yep. actually, we are we created a new page to keep uh, links to all this good stuff, I should tell you. Um, it's moat.org forward slash remote. So remote, like R-E-M-O-T-E. -E. Um, we put links to our webcams, including the, sh the new shark cam, and links to all of our social media. And one of the main ones that you want to follow for like live shark feeds and stuff is our main Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash moat marine lab. Well, Adam, thank you very much, dude. And uh, stay safe, <laughs> those animals fed. 
Um, I know you guys are like uh, doing cartwheels through the empty halls, so <laughs> don't, don't break anything. Yeah. We'll try not to. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Stay yeah. safe. Yeah, you too. See you around. All right. And we'll see everybody in, uh, very soon for another episode of Juicy Fans at Moe.